Let's go. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in a console. Keep the semi when I ride. Let off Henny when I drive. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. Uh, let's go ahead and cap off the night. We, we've, been, we've been with y'all for a little bit. We're going to go ahead and get into the culture chop. Um, Recently, as of, was it today or was it yesterday? Um, The movie dropped. Over the weekend. Uh, over the weekend. Judas, yeah, and the, weekend. Judas and the Black Messiah is currently out. I ain't doing no promotion for, you know, whatever company that is out on. But if you got a certain internet service or if you, because they ain't paying us. And we don't do this shit for free, goddammit. If you got a, a certain internet uh, a streaming service that rounds with PC Mo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then you can win it. Or it's the movie uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is out now, starring Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. Um, and it's about the life of Fred Hampton. And it's about the, uh, the rise of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panther Party. The rise of Fred Hampton, his Rainbow Coalition, what he was doing in Chicago, bringing gangs together, bringing different groups together, people to fight uh, the oppressive structure that they were under. And ultimately, not to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it already, his demise. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, because somebody in, uh, somebody in Georgia was talking about don't ruin Judas and the Black Messiah for them because they haven't seen it yet. Uh, so they didn't want it to be spoiled. But again... <laughs> Um, this is history. This is documented. So, uh, yeah. If hey, hey, definitely if you gave Damo, I thought it was pretty good. It's pretty, pretty spot on. It's like if I seen the movie called 1776 about American Revolution, and I was like, don't spoil the movie. And it was like, spoiler alert, America <laughs> wins the revolution. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, Terrence Carey, it's on, um, it's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, the rise and the, the demise of the great um, Fred, Fred Hampton. Hampton. Uh, we all collectively haven't seen it yet. We're probably all, because we had a conversation about it uh, a, a long time ago. Um, but here it is. It's finally out. We'll, we may do a show. Yeah, we may do a show about it. We may not. But ultimately, we, like, as, a, as a group, we're pretty familiar with the history of the Black Panthers, specifically what happened with Fred Hampton. Um, so to get into it, um, because I, I feel like our, our, our answers will all give a little bit of history. Um, what is some of the things that stood out the most to y'all when it came to the story of Fred Hampton? Uh, because it's, it's a tragedy for like for us as a people, but ultimately it, it inspired generations of people and he, he still in, in, in inspired people today. Um, so in terms of his story, what, what kind of stood out the most to y'all? Wait. To me, the fact that he was killed in his own home. To me, the fact that he was such a the fact that he was such a threat to the establishment that they had to kill him in his own home. You feel me? And, 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 and me knowing that I'm 30 years old. Fred Hampton was murdered at 21. You know what I'm saying? So just seeing the amount of influence he was able to muster, seeing that seeing how much of an impact he was able to have to not only the streets of Chicago. But the broader kind of branches of the Black Panther Party that end up going global to me just spoke to the power of, I feel like, you know what I'm saying, that movement and what he stood for. And then the last thing I say is the Rainbow Coalition shit. 
to me, I feel like when I first came across Freddie Hampton, I was already deep and steeped into the black resistance a little bit when I got to learn about the specificity of Fred Hampton. When I heard him talk about the Rainbow Coalition and I seen him talk about a specific speech where he was saying black power to the black man, white power to the white man. And he was saying some shit like this. And he flipped it as talking about like the like the the racialization of the working class. Mm -hmm. He was really talking about economics and a racial time. And to me, it was like, damn, almost it was like this. Why they had to kill you? Because mm-hmm. you was fucking up their black KKK narrative of being able to put it on the uh, put it on the Black Panther Party and the way that you carried yourself and the way that you spoke to non black people, it has made it where it would be too much and it would mess up FBI, J. Edgar Hoover's Cointel Pro of being able to demonize, you feel me, the Black Panther Party and this black Messiah that they was trying to get at. And that's what that's that's what got me. You feel me? Like it, it, it disrupts that racial narrative. It, it messed mm-hmm. it up so much because he was literally about the rainbow coalition is what it sounds, bringing mm-hmm. all colors in on some solidarity coalition type shit. And the fact that he was doing it from an unapologetic black position, that's what captivated me as being a young 18, 19 year old. I mean, like for, I mean, a black revolutionary to say white power to the white man. What? Come on, man. And then I, I mean, because even he operating from a framing of white power. That and that's speak and, and I'll let you get it to you real quick, but that's that's just stand out for real because even white power don't mean the same thing to a black revolutionary that it means to the KKK. White power doesn't mean death to the black man. White power means that the man who calls himself white has the capacity to be able to care for the people that call themselves white. <clears throat> yeah, I have no qualms about that. Go ahead, tell you. Well, no, I just I, I one thousand percent agree. My answer was going to be the the foundations of a rainbow coalition and really the ways that um, you know Asians and uh, Latinos are being tied together and sutured together in very unique and important ways. And of course, we see the actualization of that being cut short way too soon when we see the death of his life. Like we see the opportunity for us to really come out of you know a time after during and after the Vietnam War. Uh, during and after uh, huge parts of the civil rights movement, like just the unique time in our country, uh, Latino people are really starting to gain a lot of prevalence in major cities uh, in on the East Coast and on the West Coast. We really start to see the opportunity for this country to be shaped and the trajectory ever to be shaped by activism and in true white supremacist form, it got blown up. Right. And so we end up missing uh, the best parts of what were possible by just seeing what happened to Fred Hampton. And like, you know, like I say, he was killed in his home. You know what I'm saying? And, and the infiltration that is always part and parcel with a lot of our leaders' deaths. You know what I'm saying? Just it's, it's some of the worst. Uh, real quick, before I turn it back over. Like we there cooking right now, boy. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think we all seen the same thing. What was you about to say to you? No, I was just looking. Um, there are some comments, and I want to make sure we put a pin in this topic to come back to. British mm-hmm. actors who get black acting jobs. Um, and then I know because uh, I think Malcolm said something about that. Uh, do, do, do. Man, I know we have to say this combo about black Hollywood casting black Brits as black Americans for the end of the day, but damn. And then Ethereal Beauty backed it up by saying, especially with Daniel K talking down on black American history, but always taking those roles involving race and racism. I just watched a crazy interview with Daniel Kaluuya in there explaining his about that. Me too. And I was like, I, I stand corrected. Uh, we, we, a, we slightly talked about it though. When we when yeah, when we this about it. yeah when this uh when this movie when it first got announced, I brought this up for you. Yep, I said like yeah, I, 
I said that yo, dude was just talking wild about having to take like particular black roles. I haven't seen it. Is what I'm saying. He's since had an opportunity to redress that particular comment. Matter of fact, if y'all not following the Chop Up Show on Twitter, go follow the Chop Up Show on Twitter right now. I will go repost and retweet the the uh, the interview he had where he goes back and explains his statements, which really clarifies. For me, a whole lot of what he was saying, and it really is some deep shit. Because basically, I'm not gonna get into what he's saying. Y'all, this is a good opportunity. Man, I definitely want to get into what he's saying now. Like, I want you no. to drop it. Like, man, this part go of follow the show on Twitter. No, this is how we are gonna get our followers up. Yeah, follow the show on Twitter. The Chop Up Show at the Chop Up Show, and I'm gonna make sure I post um, his interview so y'all can see that, and post uh, a post that celebrates and explains through the thread some explanation about how these black British uh, actors end up over here in the United States snagging up some of these roles, because listen, it's not just them saying, hey, I wanna go take jobs from other niggas. Y'all know it's deeper than that. Y'all know it's deeper than Elba that. is British, bro. That fucks me up. The thread that I'm gonna share y'all is gonna blow y'all. Delroy Lindo is British, nigga. Who know Promise to God, he was born, born, Google him, and it's going to say British actor. He was born over there, lived over there for a while. I think he was raised somewhat over here, but that nigga is British. That was his British. Romeo must die. Delroy Lindo. When you see him, you're going to be like, you and know who yeah, Daryl is. I want to see both of these threads now. I want to see both of these. I can't wait to see this interview. In this show, I'll, I'll make sure to tweet them, retweet them tonight. But y'all gotta check them out. I didn't mean to derail oh, the conversation. British fucking actor. Yo, like, <laughs> I didn't mean to derail this conversation, but that was something interesting we've seen in the comments. I think we should have a conversation about black people. Um in, across the diaspora who come in and are a part of telling black stories, how we feel about those things and what it looks like. But yes, Roy Lindo is indeed <laughs> And don't forget about Sir, Sir 21. Sir 21, Sir 21 Savage. Savage. Oh, yeah, we talked about 21 Savage too, yeah. <laughs> hey, British actor. That was, this is a Leah Daddy. Uh, I don't know why you thought I was lying. I, I didn't think you was lying. I just wanted to see it too. Goodness. Um, that was a Leah Daddy and Romeo Must Die. No, 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 not a Leah. Yeah, it was a Leah Daddy. It was Leah Daddy. Leah Daddy and Romeo Must Die. He was actually about. We ain't gonna talk about it. That's another. That's another time. Yeah, another day for another day, man. I know, I know, I know, I know that uh, the uh, the uh, I feel like the, the reason why these uh, Marquise comments hitting different because I know that uh, he from Chicago and I feel like the West Side of Chicago where Fred Hampton was doing his thing at. So I feel like the 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 the, the particularities of what he dropped in the comment section just just dope. Uh, well, just to get into uh, what what and this is the, this is the homie Marquise, one of our debate partners. Uh, great mind, great mind. Hey, Keith, and drop the name of your podcast. It's another great oh, yeah. podcast for y'all. Oh, yeah. Drop your podcast and specifically if you in the MMA. He be getting into some into some real deep black shit. But if you fuck with MMA too, yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a nice little mix. So shout out to oh, yeah. the, uh, shout out to the homie Marquise. Make sure you put your uh your shit out there so we can get that. Promotion, but he said that uh, Fred Hampton had one of the most robust critiques of anarchist or violent insurrection. He actively clashed with organizations like the Weather Underground organization, calling them muddle brains. He said uh, muddle brains because they were leading untrained young people to be slaughtered by the police. He said that he didn't believe in using revolutionary energy to agitate the police state to give them justification to kill and and before i get into my what i felt like what stood out the most is that that's big because typically we we see resistance as agitation we see resistance as who can who can we piss off who can we make mad 
but that's a that's us adopting the white way of engaging in resistance. What we need to understand is that our focus needs to not be in agitating the powers that be, but mm-hmm. building within our particular structures. That's what needs to be more important to us. And that was clearly something that was more important to uh, Fred Hampton, because to, to know that there's no point in us agitating the police because we can't compete. Kind of fair fight. Yeah. Like there, there is no there is no re- revolutionary mind. That's telling you to throw yourself, you know what I'm saying, off of a cliff just for the sake of martyring yourself. We don't do that, right? Even revolutionary suicide, uh, as we're gonna get into in just a second, was 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 bigger than that. But uh, what I'll speak to briefly, what I'll say is what stood out the most to me about the story of Fred Hampton was that the, the pervasiveness in Coatel Pro, the way that they the way that they caught they the way that they got Fred Hampton was by uh, and, and, and excuse me, what the movie shows is. What they did in, in, in terms of how they infiltrated the Black Panthers, where they took black people who had criminal records, who had a certain past and said, hey, that Grand Theft Auto, we'll get that out of there. Those drug charges, that gun charge, we'll throw that out. We just want you to join an organization, tape record their meetings, let us know what they're talking about, what they're planning, who's the leaders, who's in charge. And those little charges, oh, they go out the window. Hey, right? hey, hey do y'all know the details about that? I read, I read some shit that 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 that, 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 that fucked my mind up, kinda. You feel me? Hey, and Lisa Mendez, ha! You said you said a mouthful right there in that little comment, man. I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. But listen though, this is what I found out. This is what yeah, I found out. We, we, we ain't gonna put that on the summer jam screen. Oh no, yeah. listen. Though, this is what I found out though. The dude, the dude that that set up Fred Hampton did an exclusive interview with PBS in 1992 like, or some shit like that, 91. Oh, yes. The day it aired, he committed suicide. Good so enough. thinking about, in my mind, it's like Pro was so masterful, it was able to take out. To me, it's like white supremacy say a dead nigga is a good nigga. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, if you're able to make multiple dead niggas off of one situation, it's like killing multiple birds with one stone. Yeah. You feel me? And it's like, damn, man. Now, now, but we don't want to fashion this conversation about the Black Panthers just simply around what white people did in tragedy. Uh, before we get out of here, I definitely want to know. I got I got two more questions. Um, the next one, uh, as a part of this culture chop, and the reason why I got this as the Black Messiahs is because the Black Panthers played a very crucial role in understand in the understanding of Black self worth. And so we're gonna show them that even though this movie points to Fred Hampton as the Black Messiah. The Black Panthers represented a group of, you know what I'm saying, leaders, messiahs, right? Uh, and I want to know, George, Toya, uh, I'll start with Toya. What, how did you first hear about the Black Panthers? Because they don't get like that Martin Luther King Jr. type of respect. So how did you first hear about the Black Panthers, Toya? I mean, I think, you know, to be honest, because they don't get that Martin Luther King Jr. respect, it's hard to pinpoint when I started hearing about the Panthers because I've had to piece together a lot of the narrative of who they are over time, right? They were a name that I definitely didn't hear during my formative years, elementary school, before elementary school, elementary school, learning about stuff. And then I felt uh, uh, civil rights leaders, I don't want to say stuff, civil rights leaders, um, black leaders, black history, just what that looked like. And then I felt like in middle school, you would start to hear that peppered in, you know, as a when, when we finally got to talk about Martin, uh, Malcolm X a little bit more and talk a little bit more about revolution and what those started. But still, I didn't really get a solid explanation 
of the Black Panthers and to a point that I can even regurgitate any pieces or components of their history and their impact or their organization or who they were, or what they did for black people until I got to college and start having mm-hmm. these conversations with college debaters, us, people in our circles, people who will start u- to use them as contextual examples of black people and black power and liber- liberation or, you know, relationship to blackness or understanding black beauty or whatever. Then all of a sudden we started to have conversations about the Panthers or even just at community activism and stuff, but never before that. Yeah. For me, it's kind of weird because I feel like coming from down south, I think that I was always sprinkled with some of the white supremacist propaganda about the Black Panther Party being the black KKK. But I remember when everybody used to, I feel like in the uh, early 2000s, when uh, a lot of us millennials was rocking afros and braids and shit. And I feel like it was like a half and half for niggas that rocked the braids. It was like half of us wore our braids with like afro and half of us went and got like dumbass perms. And, and, and blowout kids. Oh, I, I was one of them that had a blowout kid S curl. Listen though. Coach Gerald Carter at Brian, Coach Gerald Carter at Boys and Girls Club in Bryan, Texas. He used to always see me and be like, Black Power, George Lee, Black Power. <laughs> it wasn't until I got older, he really was making fun of me, you feel me? And, and, and really making a, a, a Reverend Al Sharpton. Reference because I had my hair slicked back. You feel me? But he don't know this, but it really stuck with me, though, and he used to empower me when he said it to me because it made me feel good. You feel me? It wasn't until I met my debate partner, Rasheed Campbell, my sophomore year at uh, OU. He was raised by a Black Panther. His grandmother's a Black Panther. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Nani. I know a real good. That's when I got to get the real, the real, yeah, real. Yeah. That's when we got the real history. In fifth grade is when I was rocking this little blowout. That's when I first started getting George Lee, Black Power, George Lee. Hey, man, <laughs> anybody that's in Bryan College Station watching this and you in touch with, you know what I'm saying, Coach Carter, man, I am dying to get in contact with this man. So if you can do me a favor and put me in the contact with Coach Carter, man, a Brian Texas legend. Help this man. Yeah, right, so, for, so for me, uh, and and I and I hate when it's like this, but it be it, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't know who had it. I didn't even see it in the movies. I definitely saw it on on, on tape. It was the uh, John Singleton Black Panther movie. That shit changed my life. Like anybody that know me, like in terms of like me wanting to study law and uh, me understanding politics and all of that type of shit, that all stemmed from Dr. Huey P. Newton. Because one of the most influential movie scenes in my life, because as much as we talk about, you know, it's movies, it ain't really what it is, but this was our history. This was our culture. I knew that Black Panthers were people that was a part of the resistance and the movement, you know what I mean, before I was even thought of. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Watching Huey Pete, the scene where the uh, Black Panther showed up with the guns, yeah, and police was attempting that. to tell them like, "Hey, you're not supposed to have that," and they literally read to the T the law that allowed them to stand there and watch them with weapons drawn. In my mind, I'm thinking like, "Oh, these is geniuses." Oh yeah, Doctor mm-hmm. Huey P. Knew, like I'm, I don't even know he a doctor at this point. I'm just this is a movie scene movie that somebody scene. told me is that these are real people. 
Hey, you know what? They don't never. Hey, they make to me. I think they make a good point to never, ever, ever identify Huey P. Newton as Doctor Huey, Dr. Huey P. Newton, and that's why I will always call him Doctor Huey So I think for now, I'm always call him Doctor Huey P. Newton. Uh, but see, that's I will always call him that. Now, for those y'all have heard me mention my son's name on this show, his name is Huey. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna give y'all his whole name, so identity thieves could do whatever. But my son's first name is Huey, and my wife just thought it was a cute name. <laughs> Shit, she just thought it was cute. She was like, "What you think about Huey?" She didn't know that I already thought about Huey, but I was like, "Nah, my my, she ain't gonna let me name my son after a revolutionary." I had to trick her, and this is a story for another day. But what? I had to trick her into her into allowing uh, her to think that her that she was naming him Huey in order for my son to be named Huey. But but what I what I think was the most hey, interesting. Before you get to that part, we'll get to that part. Though. I thought of something too. The movie Forrest Gump. I was able to put when 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 Coach Cardio would be like Black Power George Lee Black Power. I I was able to put that symbol and that like verbal caricature and correlate it to what I seen in you know what I'm saying uh, uh, Forrest Gump. And I felt like everything Forrest Gump was depicting, I was something to be proud about in terms of the Black Panther Party. You feel me? Yeah, they, they, had, they made it look like black uh, that the, that they were women abusers and fuck fuck the Forrest Gump movie. I remember that shit specifically. Nah, but, but I feel like I knew. Young, I feel like growing up around people I grew up with, my mama and my daddy and them, I already knew that niggas was seen as being hypersexual, hypercriminalized, can't control out. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I seen this the movie. You know what I mean? But I mean, but 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 I say all that to say that for me, um, that the movie scene and kind of drawing that correlation between like, no, these are these are these are black men that know the law better than the people that's supposed to enforce it. Mm-hmm. Right, like that to me, that redefined everything in terms of criminality, in terms of what we am saying, how we view criminalization in society, and all of that shit. And that's where it stood out for me. I do want to point out Marquis' comment where he said, uh, there is something weird about when we make the Black Panther Party merely a historical object and not something that lives on today, primarily with Panthers locked away in jail and some on the street, and so. Uh, what what Marquise is talking to is that there that the there are a lot of members of the Black Panther Party who are still alive today that lived through those experiences. Uh, Shaka Khan, for those who don't know, was uh, deeply involved in the uh, deeply involved in the Black Panther Party as a in terms of uh, 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 being a part of the Breakfast Program that uh, J Edgar Hoover considered one of the most dangerous programs in the United States. That American um, but, public schools hijacked and stole talking about cultural appropriation from the Black Panther Party, who they deemed oh. the biggest domestic threat to national security. Let's say that again. on the mic like it. But just so y'all know, again, the the breakfast program, like when we went to school, and when we got to school, they gave us breakfast. It's because of the Black Panthers. You're not gonna hear that though. But again, that's that band Black History. The Black Panther Breakfast Program was called by J. Edgar Hoover as one of the most dangerous programs because it reflected the ability for a people to maintain their own people. We're going to make sure your kid's good if don't nobody else do it. Uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover was on some of that weird shit where he literally correlated the Black Panther Party to the rising of the Nazi, Nazi Germany. 
and said that one of the reasons why Nazi Germany and, and, and Hitler was so effective is because he was able to taint the mind of the youth. He was able to push propaganda onto the youth to get them to buy into it. And J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI felt that if the Black Panther Party was able to empower the youth in a particular way, that it would lead to kind of some 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 bad you know domino effect. That happened in um, saying Nazi Germany. So you see there's already little symbols that was able to buy into when it comes to what's going down. And I feel like it's almost kind of weird, too. Well, Marcy, I see Marquis said something about like, think about it. they've been able to now monetize the narrative of the Black Black Panther Party while all these political prisoners are set in jail. You know what I'm saying? Sitting in jail. Most wanted list. Just so y'all know. Asada oh, yeah. Shakur is still considered one of the most wanted people in the state of America. And, or Not in, only in that, the Kulu Shakur is, you know what I'm saying, wasn't necessarily a Black Panther, but there's a lot of people outside of the Black... This in general in terms of Pro. that Even though we know everything we know about Pro, how it was unconstitutional, how it was unethical, how it was immoral, how it was literally based off trumping up charges against Black people that was trying to, you know, stop the rise of the Black Messiah, those people are still... In jail, though there is astronomical documents that show that they've been unjustly in prison. Mumia Abu Jamal, Matulu Shakur, Asada Shakur. We can keep on naming 50 million names. You feel me? Literally 50 million names, you know what I'm saying? Of different political people that locked them up and criminalized them and told you that they was a danger to society are still in charge today. Uh Toya, um, I I wanna I wanna come to you with this next one. I want to know before we get up out of here, who is who is the who is the Panther? Because these are superheroes. Fuck Superman, fuck Batman, right? Like these these revolutionaries, people who put their lives on the line for you to understand blackness is something that's beautiful. I want to start with Toya. Who stood out the most to you? What is the Panther that 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 you feel like? Yeah, you know I mean, got it, 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 it had you embracing what it meant. Uh, to be a black nationalist, to love black people? Uh, quick and easy answer is Kathleen Cleaver. Um, I say that because she um, was very integral to me building a connection to my teeny weeny uh, little afro that I had. I definitely got some tight 4C hair and why I didn't have the looser curls that grew up or grew out, no matter how long I grew my little afro, it was only about this big. Um, it hey, I, I, I remember uh, told you with the baby fro. Definitely remember Toya with because the, they put Toya with the baby fur on the hoodie. But go ahead, that's, that's, for, that's another conversation. <laughs> I'm forever enshrined as Toya with the baby fur on like a whole hoodie that people got at a big old debate tournament. It was terrible. It's crazy. It's not terrible. I loved it, and the reason why I was able to love it is because Catherine Cleaver has a famous clip. Y'all should look it up um, on YouTube about natural hair and about loving your hair and just about being excited and enthusiastic about wearing your natural hair around. And that was what I needed to hear. Being a young black woman, 22 years old, cutting off a relaxer, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of really trying to build a relationship with myself. I'm in college. I'm middle of Kansas with a whole bunch of white people with no hair. <laughs> and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do about this. And I had this black woman telling me, you know what I'm it's saying? beautiful, baby. Yeah, that my black was beautiful and that my afro was was amazing and that it was exactly how it's supposed to be in the texture of our hair is is, is amazing. It, just, it, it, was, it was the encouragement that I needed to walk around with my head held high with my little afro. Wait, oh, yeah. is, there, uh, is your hair for a C2 to you? It's tight, tight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I love them. You know what I'm saying? But they, 
grow close to the scalp. Okay. Real close, um, real tight. Dude, they real wound up. So I mean, 4C gang stand up and Kathleen Cleaver definitely set the tone for me to start loving my hair the way it grow out of my head. George. You said for like Black Panthers? Yeah. I feel like we're gonna have the same one. Yeah, Newton, man. Huey <laughs> P. Newton for me was the 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 individual that was able to light an intellectual fire and conscious kind of passion in me that made it where I had a thirst for a thirst for knowledge, a thirst for conscious itself and knowledge itself, a thirst for understanding of power and how it functions. And it's just literally the words of Huey P. Newton and, and literally the book I read, The Pride of the Panther, and me seeing how he was able to because I feel like during the insurrection, it was a lot of folks that was trying to play us black people and being like, y'all say, what would happen if black people stormed the Capitol? Well, that happened already. And it was like, hold on, motherfucker. Yeah. First of all, they didn't go in the station states. They had no one in the nation's right. capital. Second of all, they had a, a, a gun in one hand and they had a book in the other hand. The book in the other hand was the law. It's like, how many of you know, motherfuckers you think at the uh, uh, at nation's capital on January 6th knew more about the law than law enforcement? Mm, I'm going to go with none. You feel me? And to me, mm-hmm. just Huey P. Newton, the way that he was able to empower people, and I think that because he's the opposite of me, I'm more of a loud personality, charismatic, you know what I'm saying? I'm loud. I'm an extrovert. You want them rah-rah niggas. Run the rah-rah niggas. I'm with the rah-rah niggas. Rah, 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 hey, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and I'm going to be like Muhammad Ali with my consciously ass and getting the ring and be able to back it up. Yeah, that's how that's how I'm a rock. I'm gonna I'm talk about shit and we can see, you know what I'm saying? We can, I talk shit, I fight harder, goddamn. But what I learned about Huey P. Newton is that he really was an introvert and that he really just had a way with words, but he, he wasn't really into to 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 you know what I'm saying being in a spot like that. You know what I'm saying? He was just the mastermind behind it. It was really more of Bobby Seale. It seemed like that was more into being in the public eye. So it was yeah, just it was, about his personality just 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 drew me in. It was intriguing. Yeah, it, 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 it was the duality, you know what I'm saying? Bob, Bob, uh, uh, man, like Dr. Huey P. Newton was the he was the brains behind the whole shit. Yeah, right. And and when I say the brains, not because he was the mastermind, it was because he was the fucking thinker. The thinker. Dr. Huey P. Newton was a philosopher. And shout out to my old um uh my old debate partner, uh Jeffrey Stone. We debated together uh at Oklahoma. He debated for the he debated for Central High School, got his name uh, debated for Central High School. And just based off of what white people told me, and this is about opting in and opting out. I made a comment in high school that, oh, yeah, Huey P. Newton died in a drug deal. So he, he yeah, he died a drug addict. And Jeffrey checked me in high school. Like, what you say about yeah. he died a who? You feel me? And, and, and it was then that I mean, even though I, I had the reverence. I still kind of had this view of the mainstream narrative about who he was when he died because he did die in a drug infested area. And the framing that was created for Huey P. Newton was that he was killed buying drugs. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how they framed it. That was not I mean, one, he 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 did get addicted to drugs because they pumped him with drugs every time he was arrested when they was in jail. Uh, what they would what they explained was that when what they would do is they would get our leaders hooked on drugs in jail when they would arrest them to give to make them less effective for the for, for our communities. And so Jeffrey checked me on that shit, and that was one thing that I always took in. It was like you can't always that media narrative that we always get is is bullshit. Now, me and George, we 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 both fucked with Huey P. Newton heavy in college. 
revolutionary suicide when we when you know what i'm saying we cut that shit for debate it was like the shit that he was saying in that was next level that think global uh, that think locally uh, or, or think globally act locally you know power is the ability to define a phenomenon and act and make it act in a particular manner that shit amazing crazy one of the panthers that stood out the most to me that don't get enough recognition though is bobby hutton little bobby the first casualty man bobby hutton little bobby died at 17 years old that was the part of the movie that was the hardest for me to watch because uh as um Eldridge cleaver explains it that the boy died with his hands up they stripped their clothes off so that the police would know that they were unarmed and they still killed 17 year old little bobby hutton that to me at a very young age showed me that they don't give a fuck about us kid or not but it also showed me that kid or not what you stand for and what you represent in terms of your people will reflect and live on way past what you did we don't want to be martyrs like the way that the way that we we grandkids yeah and and I I say this and you know what I'm saying I ain't gonna be too long winded but we I mean we don't set out like we don't set out to be martyrs but as what Huey P Newton explains in Revolutionary Suicide is that when you engage in in these conversations when you fighting for the type of shit that we fight for you're not supposed to go into it thinking that you're gonna see the fruits of the labor. You aren't supposed to engage in fighting racism. You're not supposed to engage in fighting systemic structures of of, of anti-blackness, thinking that you are going to live in the world where the things that you challenged are no longer important. You're not going to live long enough for that. And if you're doing, and, and what Huey P. Newton argued is, if you're doing, the, if you're fighting the way that you're supposed to be fighting, if you're challenging what you're supposed to be challenging, they gonna make sure of that. Yeah. Now, like what we talked about with Fred Hampton, this ain't this ain't to say that you're supposed to throw yourself at the police and just get shot and just lose your life over, you know what I'm saying, trying to prove a point. But what he's saying is that we aren't supposed to engage in 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 these fights thinking that we're gonna be able to sit and rest and be like, we did it. Right? Our lives are supposed to be dedicated to this. And it's not supposed to be so that we can take advantage of the fruits of our labor, but so that the generations come after us won't have to deal with what we went through. And people with kids know, you know what I'm saying? And even Toya, as, as somebody who deal with children on a day to day basis, like as, you know what I'm saying, um, as a as a educator, knows that it's about it's about what come next. It's about the people that come next. It's about the people that's going to be the, the leaders of tomorrow. Because we we didn't reach that point. We getting, we got our roles. We got our jobs. We're doing what we're supposed to do. But we didn't reach that point. And revolutionary suicide is knowing that you're not going to see what it is that you're fighting for. But the goal, what makes what you did important and what made it, you know what I'm saying, beneficial was that the next generation not going to have to deal with that. So... Y'all got anything else y'all want to say before we go ahead and close out of that thing? I mean, we got some more. We can get to some comments real quick. Uh, but y'all got anything else y'all want to say? No, all right. Let's jump into some comments. Got some comments, man. I think uh, let's get into it. Pretty decent. Kind of, I mean, in terms of the narrative of how, um, 
Huey Newton was killed, right? He says Huey was uh, did die trying to buy drugs, but I agree with you about the frame. All heroes fail. I think the at the level of the narrative, him dying in a crack deal shows the final stages of the infiltration of the black libera of black liberation politics and a clear shift in the fight. And so I, I that that is kind of the version and the iteration of it that I'm a little bit more familiar with that. Um, as opposed to making space between some of those short uh, shortcomings and the addictions, and you know, even in the ways he was introduced to that addiction, right? That like the intricacies of what happened was a crack. I, like, I know me, how I got. I mean, we see right after that the crack epidemic, right? Come the next uh, great uh, destabilizer, demobilizer of black greatness, black collectivism, black movement. We see the offshoots of the Black Panther Party, uh, and then really start to try to take on that mantle of community protection and community policing and making sure, but we also see the creation of the, the young Lords and the, you know, a bunch of bloods and the Crips and a whole bunch of the gangs that we know of now because of the introduction of the crack epidemic and how all of that played out to shift was what was very well intentioned, organized black people into people who were organized for the sake of commercial and crime. Right. And so there, you know, it starts a whole new trajectory, and I agree with Marquise very much that his death and what surrounded it creates and is explanatory mechanism for the the, the new trajectory for black uh, hey, yeah. in this country. Hey, well, yeah. I, I say this, and then I let you get it, George. Uh, what I what I mean by that is that we what what they've done historically with black figures, specifically during that time, like during uh, when we talk about the past, when we talk about the rise of heroin, we talk about the rise of cocaine crack any of those things what they do is they introduce these things as if these are just the oh this is the pitfall of being a colored person just a pitfall of being black and it's more so not understanding that in within the the narrative specifically of huey p newton this is a habit that in when you lock a nigga up in jail ain't no oversight what they doing to them you feel me and and there was a from from my perspective it was just, a, oh, he just got caught up with drugs. It was like, nah, he was given a habit. They forced them, you know what I'm saying, to, to have to go through these uh, through these addictions and then put them back on the streets. And so, yeah, you know, was he, he was in a, yeah, he was at a, a drug deal when he died. He was an addict. He definitely was an addict when he died. Yeah, but he didn't, he didn't. He was street for the Black Panthers. You can't get in no drugs. He was leader of the Black Panther Party. So if he didn't have no drug addiction when he went to jail, when he got out with a drug addiction, we know there's some type of foul play. Even if you want to say that he opted into that drug addiction himself, we know the fact that he was able to have access to illegal substance while being incarcerated. There's, you know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. You feel me? Shout out to him. I know, I know a lot of people that's locked up that's doing a whole bunch of shit that we do in the free world while they locked up. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But just like I know that if I give my child to somebody and they watching my kid, whatever happens to my kid under their supervision, they are responsible for that. You know what I'm saying? That's how the law works. You feel me? So shit, everything that an inmate does under the supervision of the state, that is the responsibility of who? State. The, state. the goddamn state. So shit, we see how this, you know, uh, contradictions happen when it comes to policing black people. And especially to me, I feel like this is worked into the narrative of criminality. You feel me? I've been yeah. thinking about the arbitrary nature of criminality and how that shit I always described. But to me, it seemed like that 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 Messiah being able to be murdered and criminalized in his murder, to me, kind of was able to help criminalize the symbols of black resistance. And to almost stigmatize it in a way where it almost brought value down from it. 
Were right. you able to make bullshit movies? Well, I ain't say because movie was kind of good with historical references and shit. You know, they don't type it's what's a white movie, whatever, but make it where movies like Forrest Gump are now justified in furthering a particular narrative about the Black Panther Party, even though we know it is, you know what I'm saying, is 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 up in the air. Because I know when I learned about Stokely Carmichael saying that it's what is black woman's role in the in the movement to be prone. And then hearing the, and then hearing another narrative of it of being like, nah, Huey P. Uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael and them was rock stars of their time, and they was traveling around the country. Stokely Carmichael was getting into it with white feminists, and the white feminists was doing X, Y. I don't know if it is true or not. You know what I'm saying? I ain't did my, I ain't did my own research, but to just hear how the hypersexualization of these particular men and how. There's been black women in the Black Panther movie, like Rashid's grandmother that was like, man, George, don't, don't, don't bind with the white folks saying this, that, and the other. A sister was leading the movement. The black, the, the, the white folks in the media just jumped to niggas, you know what I'm saying, with the, with the, with the leather and shit. So, you know. Yeah. It's so, uh, man, great conversation. Great conversation. This was a great show. Everybody that was able to be a part of it, we want to thank y'all. Um, specifically, make sure y'all go to the chop up show on YouTube, to the chop up show on Instagram, to the chop up show on Twitter, on I, Twitter I mean, and Facebook. Chop up on show Twitter. pod, chop up show pod is the name of our Twitter. Chop up show because somebody took the chop up show, chop up show pod. And I've already retweeted um, the tweets about the black British actors as well as Daniel Kaluuya's uh, interview. So y'all make sure to go check it out and follow us over there. Make sure y'all interacting. Chop up show pod on Twitter. The chop up show on Facebook, the chop up show on YouTube, the chop up show on Instagram. We the same everywhere else. So y'all should not be missing a beat. But that's our yeah. Twitter bottom. Chop up yeah. show pod. Not me. Chop up show pod. Not the just, just hold on. Let me correct it real quick just so we because everywhere else we got love. Hey, hey, Marquis, 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 Marquis. Marquis. Well, Twitter took the name, so I don't know. Uh, look at Marquise being uh combative. No, I'm just hey, <laughs> hey, 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 some business shit. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a a a uh a, a, a race to who can be the first legitimate podcast to legitimize the chop up show as a name because it's it's a, it's a couple of us, yeah. Hey, but when you google us though, if you google the chop up, the chop up, shit, we show up, god damn it. So, <laughs> so y'all not doing something right, you feel me? But hey. Uh, we here. This is the, this has been the chop up show. We do it. You know what I mean? How we do it? Uh, hopefully, hopefully though. Um, in terms of the conversations that we've been having, we've been able to elevate the understanding. Uh, with this movie being out, but also with what people are going through. Uh, specifically in the south. You know what I mean, when we have these conversations, when you hear the Green New Deal and all of this other shit, hopefully I was able to take some things and be able to grow from it. Uh, and have a have a better understanding, and we want these conversations to go. And grow further. Hey, tap into Vance's point real quick before we close it out, just because I'm like, oh, excuse me. Uh, Vance Hopkins said, I think we lack the audacity to believe we can see it in this lifetime. Sovereignty, (laughs) dual citizenship, and reparations for war crimes, money, and time are illusions. It shouldn't take 30 to 50 years, in my opinion. I, I that the the audacity, the audacity, right? I agree with that one hundred percent. The audacity to be like, nah, we should get what what's owed to us. We should get what we deserve. I mean, white people have the caucasity, so <laughs> so you know what I mean. 
Uh, but but again, everybody that was able to be a part of the conversation, conversation, thank y'all very much. Make sure y'all following us. Y'all stay tuned. Again, the Black History Month Awards are next Monday. So please, if y'all got anybody that y'all want to be recognized, y'all go send them in. Let us know uh, either on our Instagram, our Facebook, uh, or our Twitter. Tag us. If somebody says some shit, y'all like, yeah, recognize this in y'all awards. Tag us. We're going to do that. Um, anything else y'all got to say before we head out, y'all? Lisa, a real one. They said they're going to go flag all the other Chop Up channels so that we nobody gets confused. <laughs> I, I love it. Everywhere. Hey, straight everybody, up. Hey, 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 Lisa, it's your first time. You already, you already, you feel me? You already be up there with Noel and Ethereal Beauty. Man, yeah, that. yeah. All <laughs> of them. I like your energy. And, and and everybody that's watching on the Conscious Lee channel, make sure y'all subscribe both to the Conscious Lee channel and to the Chop Up Show on YouTube because we are broadcasting on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, or in two different channels on YouTube. So if you subscribe to the Chop Up Show, you not subscribe to uh, uh, the Conscious Lee, do that. If you subscribe to the Conscious Lee, make sure you subscribe to the Chop Up Show. If you don't know who the political plug is, check that out on Instagram. Check that out on TikTok. If you don't know who Toya G is, if you don't know what HD higher definition. Leadership, uh, 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 leadership and empowerment is make sure y'all check that out. Uh, don't miss out. Thank you, Khadija. We definitely appreciate you having up in here. You said this was dope. You dope for sticking around. Lee, was you about to say something? I was, I was, I was just going, I forgot what I was going to say. Really, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no, I was going to say, I was going to be extra and be Look, like, George is awake. Like, can we all just give, can we all give George a round of applause for not being dead tired by the end of the show? <laughs> hey, 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 this is the difference though. Because it's snow days, I've been having to teach from home. So I don't have to wake up at 5 30 in the morning to drive to the city. I just like I wake up and like I'm supposed to be in, in, in PLC by 9 30. I wake up by nine by, by I mean by 7 30. I wake up by 7 15. Give me time to brush my teeth and walk to my office. Hey, wait a minute. Your beauty said her and Vance. That's all I'm saying. Wait a damn they, minute. They together. Y'all go together. We got some chop mans in the comments. Hey, <laughs> shout out to your pants. Hey, do your thing. Do your yeah, thing. Hey, welcome. Hey, welcome to the fam, Vance. Hey, hey, invite a friend. Tell a friend. Vance, tell a friend. Next week, we, we live, baby. Hey, no, nah, y'all need to realize Vance been in our comments before. I think Vance and Ethereal Beauty be having dates on the Chop Up show, which is what y'all should do. Tell your boo to link up. Y'all figure out what y'all let's watch the Chop Up tonight. Like, it's and really fast. If anybody else boo been watching and y'all ain't got y'all boo included. Y'all bullshitting. Like, this is like, it's like chop up and chill. God damn it, we getting the shirts made. Chop up and oh, chill. Chop up and chill. Hey, hey, you hey, hey, like Chop up and chill. <laughs> I like hey, that. We've been talking. Tell the truth real quick before we let y'all go. In real life, we're going to let y'all go. Drop some in the comments real quick. Yeah or nay? If we drop some chop up gear for the spring, just some shirts to, you know, make sure the Chop Nation is all unified or whatever. If we drop some shirts, would y'all rock? Would y'all cop some Chop Nation? They're going to be reasonably priced and everything like that. Would y'all cop Chop Nation shirts? Real quick, we're going to close the show out, but we can still see the comments coming in. So y'all go ahead and drop comments. Let us know if y'all would drop some merch. If we just drop some shirts just to make sure we connected as a family, as a bomb. Uh, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Lisa, we glad you found us. Ethereal Beauty, we oh, glad you Oh, you sent me a text. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't say what's up to you at the beginning of the show. That's because the, the family, the rest of the family, you know, but I love you. Hello. You know you the homie. Quit playing games with me if I have to come through this phone on you. Y'all know what it is. It's a family. Man, look. It's a family. Man, look. 
Look, we didn't been in here for damn near two hours. Yeah, we, had, we had a two-hour show in a long time. In a minute. But we back. We're gonna see y'all. We're gonna see y'all Monday. Uh y'all believe Tori. We're gonna have these we're gonna have these designs. You're gonna be able to get that design in a hoodie, a t-shirt, some socks, some masks, a sticker, all of that. Fanny hey, pack. I just believe we're gonna have to chop up and chill shirts too. <laughs> we gonna- Hey, and check out the the uh the Devon Rousseau podcast, man. We should be there. You go. Check it out, man. Check it out. You feel me? Check out the boy Marquise Devon Rousseau podcast. He got all. You know what I'm saying he be hey, having yo, some. Back and see us. What other? My doubt? bad. My bad. Yes, Marquise. Didn't want to cut that shout <laughs> out. Go see Marquise. I just look. I got distracted. Marquise. We all love Marquise around here. I want to be clear. The Devon. <laughs> podcast is live. I need to go check it out. My damn self. I got homework to do in that regard, but I already know how Marquis brain works. Electric. Smart, yeah. capable, articulate, beautiful mind, beautiful person. So y'all go check out what Marquis got to say uh, over there and, you know, connect with our family because we, we just know a whole bunch of smart ass people who talk about a whole bunch of smart things. Uh, follow us on everything. Have a great night. Have a wonderful week. It's still black. I hope you're not. I hope, I hope you're not out here being quiet with your blackness. Turn that shit up. We still got some weeks left. The whole our whole lives, but formally, we still got a couple weeks left. All right. But uh, we're gonna go ahead and close it out the same way we bring you in, man. We see y'all next Monday. This is the chop up. Ain't no. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in a console. Keep the semi when I ride. Little penny when I drive. In the city, we gon' slide.